0: This podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Lettering Quiz. Find out just how much you really know about letters by taking the quiz for free on martinafraud.com slash quiz. Enjoy. Uno, two, Welcome, everybody, to Letter Now, a podcast where we nurture the creatives, illustrators, designers, and makers of tomorrow today. My name is Martina Flor. I'm a lettering artist, author, educator, and the host of the show. And today we will be making the second part of the review of the golden moments of this first season of the podcast. As you know, during the first season, I had the pleasure to have several lettering artists, illustrators, and creatives on the show And together we touched on a lot of different topics that are relevant to you and to all other people doing creative work out there. We had so many golden moments that one review episode wasn't enough. So here's the second one curated for you. And I want to say that please stay until the end because I will be sharing with you the second part of what will be coming in the second season of the podcast. So stick around. I have a lot of things to share with you. So without further ado, we'll dive into the highlights of the first season. During this first part of the podcast, I got to interview artists and creatives that are currently doing work they love, but it wasn't always like that. Something that I saw coming up as a pattern was that they recognized a moment or a few cues and things that made them go down the path that lead them to their moment where they are right now and the position in their lives and their creative work that they are right now. So let's hear how lettering artist Dan Forster discovered his creative calling.
1: Yeah, because it was around that that time that I decided to, to make the switch to go into lettering like full steam ahead and stop everything else. Because before that, there'd been this period of time where you know, I was still doing graphic design work, I was doing like bits of illustration work, and I was trying to do some lettering as well, and I got one or two small projects, but I hadn't really, hadn't really focused on it too much, and at the time, my website was a mess, you know, there was graphic design work, there was illustration work, there was lettering work, and, you know, it's like bits of everything, but nothing of anything, you know, it was, there was no focus, so it was, I think I got to like 2016 or 2017, and I thought, I feel like I'm I feel like I might be good enough to to just try and get rid of everything else or at, at least, you know, calm it down a little bit and try to focus. So and and that that was a big thing. And once I did that, I mean I had to work really hard for quite a long time. And you know, I was turning away graphic design projects that beforehand I, I wouldn't have. So my income went down for a little bit, but I just thought I'm gonna get through this and I, I really wanted to make it happen. And yeah, I just, it, I guess it was just persistence, really. Uh, I, and the fact that I loved it. So yeah, lots of lots of different sort of motivating factors. But I guess the, the main one is I just, I, I'd fallen in love with letters and I wanted to see if I could make a career out of it.
0: And Astan, many other creatives that I interview throughout the podcast We're revealing or unveiling certain moments that they recognize as the moment where they realize, hey, you know, I think there's something here. I think this is something I could do for myself. So if you listening are thinking right now or are trying to figure out right now, what is the thing that you're good at? What is the thing that you want to continue doing? Don't worry. This is something that happens often, and this is something that happened to many of the creatives that I interview throughout this podcast. And be sure that you will have, or you will see, or you will get to a point where you will recognize some cues, some signs that will lead you down the path that is right for you. And. One of the episodes of the podcast that I really liked in relation to developing your creative skill and also starting your career as a creative was the episode with one of my old friends, the Italian calligrapher Giuseppe Salerno, with whom I carried on a personal project that went viral many years ago and truly propelled my career as a lettering artist. And we discussed during that podcast... We, di- we discussed the importance of feedback because it's really hard to figure out things on your own. and it was great to have him on the show because he remind me he reminded me of these great times, but also, what made them so great. It also reminds me how important it is to have people around you that support you along the way and that validates the work that you do and gives you feedback. We spoke a lot about feedback and how feedback can really make a difference in your work. Just to give you a bit of context, the project that I'm talking about is called lettering versus calligraphy and it was an online battle between him and me. Uh, You can still find it online. I will put the link to the website on the show notes. So this is what we discussed on the show in relation to getting feedback from peers and people you can trust on.
2: I remember it was the inclusivity of the audience. When Mm. I mean, the the project came out uh, so popular and viral at the second... Third day, and everybody has to make a voting system. So yeah. then transform it into a battle.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I remember exactly. Like, remember? actually, yeah, we actually came up with this idea of like using one keyword. So we were drawing a letter or writing a letter, uh, you know, like a sexy S, for instance, right? And Giuseppe would write that letter and I would draw that letter. And then we would upload that those two letters, one next to the other to a website, right? And what, what made it really interesting for the audience or for the people is that they could vote, they could actually go to the website and decide which one was the best. Right. And um, and I think that also made it very interesting for us because um, we we were friends and we were having a lot of fun, but we also wanted to win. Right. (laughs) Like,
2: yeah, I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't really like uh, uh, running for the medal.
1: Yeah. You know, the
2: first the first topic, uh, the first the first target wasn't that one. Um, we were focused on let's make, uh, let's see how we can push our limits and and uh, was really a fight into oh, let's see who make it cooler, who make it better. And often we were uploading our letters, I remember, and we were like, oh no, Martina, I think you can do better. Oh no, Giuseppe, that sucks. Making <laughs> a, <laughs> Upload another one. You know, we were very into have a very healthy and um, healthy and, and, and genuine competition, you know.
0: So this makes the perfect segue into the episode with Becca Clayson, also lettering and stop-motion artist who was in the show, to speak about community and competition. Now, Becca has a lot of experience building community and, you know, if you ever get to know her is a very communicative friendly person in general but she defines herself as an introvert and if you're wondering okay where can I find my community where can I find this place where I can get that kind of feedback honest positive feedback that I need to propel my work forward um, I think this bit that I'm gonna share with you now, we'll give you a lot of information and a lot of, a lot of hints on how to do that. So it was really interesting to hear from Becca, who defines herself as an introvert, some techniques or some things that she did to create her first connections with other peers, despite being shy and very introverted herself.
3: Yeah, um as an introvert myself and, uh, as a like naturally shy person, um, Mm. I can, I can kind of fake it for a little while, you know, (laughs) like, um, but after I, you know, I need some time to myself, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with this a lot as well. And when I first started, um, several years ago, starting to do hand lettering, I, I wanted some of that community and I wanted to get to know people who were, you know, doing the same thing or had the same interests. And Mm -hmm. one thing, like I went to a dribble meetup forever ago with just some local like designers in Salt Lake City. And it was kind of scary to go, but um, I'm still in contact with some of those people that I, that I met that first time. Um, I think that if you are introverted, but you still want to get to know people, Um, You kind of have to do a few things that might be outside of your comfort zone.
0: And I want to take a left turn here and I want to touch on the topic of freelancing, which has been an underlying topic throughout the first season. So most of our, our guests are freelancers and they run their own creative business. And they shared tons of insights about starting out and setting up your practice, which I hope was helpful for you if you're a freelancer yourself or if you're thinking of going freelance. But the snippet I want to share with you today is from an episode that I did with Alana Flowers and Vera Dramanovsky, two lettering artists and also two members of my coaching program for creatives. And they share a framework that I usually teach during this program that is specifically useful to finding clients. And I hope that you find it useful as well. So, what about you, Vera? What are the things that recently help you connecting with clients?
4: I firstly I started with the the circles, right? So uh, something again I learned uh, in the course. Like, how, how, can I you explain activating... a little bit this this idea yeah. of the circles? So what so what I'm thinking about is what I'm talking about is activating first. Activating the circle of people that, you know, family and friends and then expanding to people that they know. So people that people, I know people know, and then, you know, eventually it's going to get bigger. So right now, um, I, I, I have luck, some luck of finding, uh, bigger clients that found me, but that is still not as it's not overflowing my inbox yet. You know, it's like project here and there that I cannot depend solely on. So what I do is basically connect with the local community. So I'm doing some public art right now that is going to give me exposure because it's going to be on the streets of Toronto with my name on it. And I'm also connecting with people that I worked with in my my job um, that have, because we used to work, I used to work with events. So we used to work with a lot of event production companies and they usually, have a lot of you know opportunities where they can use lettering for as well as their own like spaces like so now i'm decorating a space with one of those companies they wanted like murals on in their offices so it's very important to be proactive something that i was very bad at in like in the past uh, and very shy because i looked at selling at that as selling myself but now I am basically I totally changed that perception. And I'm like, I'm not selling anything, I am providing my services to someone who can use it. And that that shifts in mind because I don't, I, I'm not a salesperson and I don't feel comfortable. I never felt comfortable doing sales, but now I'm like, okay, that's not what I'm doing at all here. This is completely different. And that put me in my comfort zone where I can confidently approach people and say, hey, listen, I do this and I think you'd really benefit if I was to do this for you. And then, you know, we take it from there, from those conversations, some conversations turn into nothing and some actually turn into a real client work and real conversation. And also opening up some future possibilities. Not all of those conversations will come to fruition right away but they may come to fruition a year from now two years from now you never know but it's very important to start them
0: yeah and exactly like I, i think that's also very important like to understand that not all the not all the your actions will have an immediate uh consequence right perhaps the opportunity will come then in a year from now but you need to start creating um these connections and this, you know, start these conversations now, um, so that, you know, those things happen uh, down the road, right? And what about you, Alana? What are the things that brought you opportunities or client or connected you with clients and opportunities in your in your freelance business?
5: Yeah, I mean, I loved everything that Vera said, like, you know, things we have to sort of shift our mindset from sales to I'm providing a service that has value. I think adjusting your mindset to be there is already like a great place to be because it's very easy to feel very like, I don't know, maybe like you're begging people to like give you a job or something like that. It's just like, no, like I'm confident in what I can provide to someone and this is what it is. Um, and then other than like a mindset shift, you know, for yourself, whatever that means, um, I think pursuing passion projects has been a great avenue to explore for me. So I was in a bit of a rut, honestly, between um, when I decided to, you know, that I wanted to have a business and then from actually launching it. So in between that, it was like a month, basically, or like a month and a half. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do a little passion project where I do 25 days of lettering instead of 25 days of Christmas, because it was in December. So that was a little um, 25-day passion project that I did that I revived from something that I had done five years ago when I had first started posting my lettering on Instagram. And I did it as like a retrospective. So I like updated the same phrases that I did from five years previous with the skills and knowledge that I have now. Um, And it was so cool because I was just like, I was just having fun. I was just trying to warm up my my arm again and just like do lettering because I had taken such a long break most of last year um, from lettering because I was just like so like down. it's just like oh, I'm just not feeling super inspired but um finding like a passion project really helped me um, sort of kick things in gear and then maybe like a month or two after I had launched my business, um, a client reached out to me and had referenced my passion project that I had done in December <laughs> as um, some of the styles that they were looking for the work that they were asking me to provide. So I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I feel like you might not be posting something at the time with like, I'm gonna post this because it's gonna get me X, Y, and Z client. If you can just, you can operate from that that place of, this is something that I'm really passionate about. This is something that I'm interested in. Um, You'll find that people will resonate with that authenticity and that vulnerability Um, And I feel like that's just sort of like a natural feeling that people gravitate towards. Um, So I would say pursuing passion projects has definitely been something that is um, a great driving force for client work for me.
0: And what I really love about this episode with Alana and Vera is that it sort of sets the tone for where to find opportunities for yourself as a creative. Because oftentimes we think or we strive for the big projects and the great clients and the grandiose, uh, you know, dream projects. But actually, oftentimes the opportunities are around us and are at the reach of our hands. And oftentimes we oversee those opportunities that are around us that can really make a difference in our business and in, in our work as creative. So I think what they shared throughout the, this episode was really great in terms of setting up the perspective for where to find your opportunities as a creative. And I personally think that working for clients is not the only thing that a freelancer could do. In fact, I always push my students and coaches to be a bit more entrepreneurial with their creative practice. And this is where income streams come into play. And to discuss this topic, I invited lettering artist Ian Barnard, who has built his creative business around a few different things, not only working for clients, but also a YouTube channel and selling iPad brushes and a bunch of other stuff. And in that episode, Ian shared the steps to create an income stream, which goes like this?
6: Um, so for me, I was prioritizing the things that either um, I found more fun to do, because then that makes mm. it quicker for the process mm. to, to build upon. Um, so, and if, um, if you can see some traction, so I do use social media a lot to find out whether a pro- to validate a product really and whether mm. I should spend my time on it. Uh, it's like showing maybe if I'm just starting on it saying, you know, would anyone be interested in just doing a poll um, and just seeing if there's any, or if you put like, sometimes I'd use a product early in its creation in a post just to see if I get those questions about like, oh, what brush you're using or what's mm. that typeface name or, you know, it's, it's, and you get to gauge what people are, um and and also just looking like a lot of my products have come from uh pinterest so i look Mm. on pinterest i find something that really resonates with me or is quite popular you know you get the popular pins popping up and and i think okay can i take that the essence of that design and create something that someone can use who Mm. who may struggle to get uh to that process that finished design so can Mm. i help them get to point from point a to point b um, with a product and and sometimes you know and so i will spend a bit of time looking at that but then if i find it's taking too long or i'm not getting anywhere then i have to pivot and try something else and then leave it because it might be the case that something comes along uh, another and and it works into that product but i suppose it's um yeah, I could easily do a million things at once, but I suppose I just have to have a look at that idea, spend a little bit of time on that idea, not too long, just to try and get any validation that it's going to go in the right way.
0: Lastly, I want to wrap up with one of my favorite episodes of the podcast about money mindset, where I had the pleasure to have over Phoebe and Roxy from Panda Design Co. They didn't only share tons of insights on how to price your work, but also Discuss the relationship between loving what you do and charging for it. So this is what they shared in the show.
7: Yeah. So liking your job has nothing to do with how much you should be compensated for it. And I think that is something that a lot of artists struggle with. And that's centered around people saying like, oh, this is a hobby it it comes from a lot deeper than actually loving your work i think it comes from societal things that you grow up hearing about art and being creative and how so many people hate their jobs so it feels weird and uncomfortable when you actually like what you're doing but if you think about the business as a whole it's not just one single project that you enjoy doing there's so much work that goes into running a business that is honestly not very enjoyable there's setting up your business there's doing taxes contracts invoices And when you think about how much you love the actual design part, I wish that people would consider all the things that they don't like doing that they also have to be paying for with this work. They also have to think about the times that they don't have projects going in. And it's a slow period, like the holidays, like usually that's a slow period for us. And so we have to consider that throughout the rest of the year. So I think thinking about your business as a whole and not getting excited until you have a contract signed and deposit paid, you have to be okay with walking away until you have those two things. Because as you said, like if you're negotiating coming from a place of, I want to get this job, no matter what Mm. you're already lost. You're already not going to be a good salesperson. You're not going to charge what you are worth. Um, so taking a step back and realizing like, If they aren't going to pay my rates, if they're not going to treat me with respect, if they're not going to sign a contract, Hmm. I'm out no matter what, no matter what amazing opportunity, because there are endless cool projects. There are endless cool clients. There are endless amazing opportunities out there. This one single opportunity is not worth compromising your pricing. And we like to say too, Beyonce probably really likes what she does, but her concerts aren't free.
0: (laughs) And if you're looking to pump up your money mindset and get some tips around pricing and giving value to your work, I really recommend you to listen to that specific episode with Pander Design Co., but also to the episode that I had with my agent, uh, John Cockley from Handsome Frank, the founder of Handsome Frank, Frank Illustration Agency. He also shared a lot of insight around the, the business of illustration and also how to price your work. So I will add the links relevant to the show on the show notes. Um, so all of the sh- social media handles and websites of the guests that were featured in this episode will be included there. We cover so much ground during the almost 30 episodes or actually exactly 30 episodes of the first season of this podcast. And I really hope that some of the things you picked up from the show help you in some way and help you improve one or two aspects of your craft and creative business. In the last episode, which was also a review episode of the last um, season of the podcast, I shared a few changes and upgrades we will be having for the next season. So, Shortly about those, we will be interviewing creatives and artists from all disciplines. So not only learning artists, but, um, but also other creatives in another creative, creative disciplines. Right. So because of that, we'll be changing the name of the podcast so that it will better reflect the content that we will be, will be putting out there with that uh, season. But that's not all. The last thing I wanted to announce is that we'll be having additional episodes where my team and I will be having conversations and they're going to be short episodes of about 20 minutes and they will be candid conversations among us over topics such as, you know, hiring again. These are going to be short episodes of about 20 minutes, and there will be candid conversations among us over topics that have to do with running a creative business, like hiring and giving feedback and being a leader and running a podcast and many other interesting things that I hope you will love. So you will get to see inside our work as a studio, as a creative studio, which I hope will give you a lot of insights and information of what is possible for you as a creative um, because we love what we do here. And I think the more we can share with other creatives, the more we can help them be empowered and create their own reality for themselves. So stick around because there's more and better to come. And the last thing I want to tell you is that if you love this podcast, give us a review on Apple podcast. This is something that will mean a lot to me and my team and it will help other people find us and grow this family. So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for supporting us throughout the first episode of this podcast. It meant a whole lot to us. So this is it. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflorcom podcast where you can see previous episodes, find show notes and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflorcom YouTube to find them. You can, of course, listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you love this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening And see you on the next season of Letter Now. Bye-bye.